we're going to look at uh, Psalm 139 today. As, as this week before Christmas, I, I um, oscillated between what to, which psalms to actually look at this, as being leading into this Christmas week. And I've seldom had so much confusion in my mind as, as to, or lack of decision as to which one to go. I also have to admit that this last past week has been one of the most distracting weeks I think I've ever done in preparation for a message. I think combination possibly of, of the time of the year, the, the hours are pretty busy at the moment. And so the energy levels were down, maybe the resistance is a bit down as well. And and uh, really struggled this week. So those of you who have been praying for me, thank you so very much. The idea of this psalm, I ended up choosing this one, was by the end of it, I want us to, the message that I feel the Lord wants you to hear this morning is that He made you exactly as you are. And that we're to be comfortable and assured that that is exactly the way He wants us to be. Not to be trying to make it else, but the idea is, or the the intent of the message today is that we understand who we are, what we're doing, why we are, and the job that we're doing to bring glory to God's name. So having said all that, we'll see how we go. So bear that in mind. So Psalm 139, and uh, just a quick little recap there. Over the last couple of weeks, where John's brought us a couple of his psalms that he's um, uh, been discussing, and and the way that when we talk, I've made some notes during the last two weeks, John, so you'd be pleased to know that. I haven't re-listened to your messages, but I was making some notes there. And one of the things that really struck out to me in the, in the first week we did was when we talked to and prayed to God in private, don't hold back the way you feel. And I thought, yeah, how often do I put words around things that, that don't need to be there because, you know, to make it sound a bit better? But when it's just you talking to God, don't hold back. And I thank you, John, for reminding us that we need to voice our concerns honestly and openly. And why do we do that? When we're talking to somebody else and they're saying, hey, what do you think of my new shirt? Or, you know, what do you think of this? We sort of say, yeah, it looks pretty good on you, that color. Um, but it's in conflict, maybe, with what, when we say to others, we don't say exactly what's on our minds. You know, so when we try that with God in prayer, he goes, nah, I see right through you. I see exactly what you're, what you're really thinking. And then at the end of um, Psalm 19, we have these words. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable, so be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And that was the last verse from Psalm 19 and, and I thought, wow, doesn't that lead in beautifully to Psalm 139? And those words there, which we read them, may the words of my mouth, yep, okay, the meditation of my heart, yeah, my heart's pretty right, but boy, this week has been some strife in my life, I don't know about you. And things which perhaps, when you really look at it, you think, am I really right with the Lord every step of the way, am I walking step in step with Him? So, Psalm 139 tells us that God already knows what we're going to say before we say it. Let's listen to Psalm 139 rather than just reading it out this morning. Psalm 139. Lord, you have examined me, so you know all about me. You know when I sit down and when I get up. You know my thoughts before I think them. You know where I go and where I lie down. You know everything I do. 
Lord, you know what I want to say even before the words leave my mouth. You are all around me, in front of me and behind me. I feel your hand on my shoulder. I am amazed at what you know. It is too much for me to understand. Your spirit is everywhere I go. I cannot escape your presence. If I go up to heaven, you will be there. If I go down to the place of death, you will be there. If I go east where the sun rises, or go to live in the west beyond the sea, even there you will take my hand and lead me. Your strong right hand will protect me. Suppose I wanted to hide from you and said, surely the darkness will hide me. The day will change to night and cover me. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same. You created every part of me. You put me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because you made me in such a wonderful way. I know how amazing that was. You saw my bones grow as my body took shape, hidden in my mother's womb. You saw my body grow each passing day. You knew that I was there. You saw me before I was born. All the days planned for me were written in your book before any of them ever began. Your thoughts are beyond my understanding. They cannot be measured. If I could count them, they would be more than all the grains of sand. And when, when I, I wake, wake up, up, I am, I am still, still with you. Pretty good, isn't it? Don't mind a good little Lego movie, it's always good. But, uh, maybe seeing it sometimes just prompts us to think of things in possibly different different way. So first thing we learn from Psalm 139 is that God sees everything about me. The first four verses there are um, describing the attribute of God, his omniscience, which simply means his all-knowingness. And we understand now that his... Um, knows everything there's no question that God cannot answer no problem that confuses him he's never surprised he never says oh really didn't see that one coming just doesn't happen and reminder again of how finite we are and how infinite God is Hebrews 14 13 says nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight everything is uncovered and laid bare to him of whom we must give an account God knows when I sit down, he knows when I get up, he knows what I'm thinking, and not just right now, but 24-7, the whole way through, and before a word is even on my mouth, on my tongue, you know it completely, O oh Lord. He knows that today I'll be drawn probably at some time onto my mysterious couch of sleep. He knows when I'm going to be getting up to get some snacks, probably just before Janelle gets home from work, possibly. Those actions of sitting and standing and rising are rarely representative of all the activities that we'll do during this day. We've come in here, we've stood to walk in, we've come, we've sat down, we'll stand, we'll walk out, we'll have lunch. He knows what we're thinking every day. He knows everything we do. And then we get to verse 4. He just doesn't know it after I say something. He knows it uh, before I say it. I'm sure we've all found ourselves in a situation... Um, where we possibly regretted something we have said. Hmm? And then I think, well, God, if you already knew I was going to say that and was going to regret it, 
couldn't you maybe just like, you know, warned me um, in advance so that I could maybe just keep my mouth shut? I'm really missing my friend Gordon. Um, maybe because you <laughs> we're on a similar wavelength. Maybe, maybe God could maybe send us like a, an email or a text and said, Daryl, Friday at 2.38 p.m., do not say anything. Keep your mouth shut. Use duct tape if necessary, sign God. But I haven't got one of those messages this week, so I'm going to continue on. But how often do we blurt something out and go, oops. Yeah? Am I striking a chord? <laughs> uh, um, oops, sorry. Catch up there. God knows everything we've, we say. He knows every thought, what we've even thinking about. And think about that for a moment. What are you thinking about right now? Thank you. <laughs> God knows what you just um, thought about, even as I said that. David says that such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And paraphrases that, it just blows me away. It just... Do we have to, can we even begin to comprehend how great God is to know us so well that even what we're thinking before we say it, before we think it, before we do it, it just is infinite, isn't it? It blows us away. God is continually with us. He hems me in, verse 5 says, you hem me in behind and before um, and you lay your hand upon me. Those people who, um, who are looking for God, they want to know the answer to this because um, they want to find God. Those possibly who are, are carrying around a lot of guilt want to know where God is so they can try and run away possibly. But if you're hemmed in front and behind, then you've got nowhere to go, have you? The hurting person, they want to know why is it they feel abandoned by God? Where is God when I need him? How often do you hear that? The lonely person wants to know, where is God? Why do I feel so alone? If I can remember that God is always with me, then I can depend on him no matter what I face, no matter, no matter what trouble uh, I'm facing, no matter how bad things look, I know he's right there with me because we are not alone. Even those times when we feel so desperately lonely, possibly, and this time of year, of course, we come into this Christmas when it's all about family and coming together and, and sharing times. And, uh, we used to live across the road from a policeman. He said it was the most horrible time for the police force because the amount of um, disputes and, and altercations in family groups over Christmas time when they overindulge in, in so many things. And yet there's those people who will be having Christmas alone, who have no, no family and, and no, no sense of companionship. But you know what? God is still there. We're not alone. And we can trust, on, trust him no matter what comes along. We go on to this psalm. Do we feel that we're, we, um, do we know which way we go sometimes? We're rushing headlong to the end of this year, 2016. We'll soon be into 2017. And you know, do we have that feeling of knowing which way God wants us to go? Is there indecision there in in, in your mind as to what, we're going, what you're going to be doing this time next year. Do we need to worry about it even? Well, I think we need to be responsible uh, and, and in terms of 
taking some ownership of, of these situations where we find ourselves in and, and this, the, the um, environment we find ourselves in and then working towards there, but keeping the dialogue happening between us and our Creator God is a good way in his, through His Word to see which way He's going to draw us, uh, wants us to go. Verse 10 tells us that your hand will guide us and your right hand will hold me fast. Isn't that comforting? Um, when we're not sure on what happens. Uh, remember that God is with us. We can relax because we will, he will hold us. He will shine us. He will design us. He has designed us to be guided. Just as a parent, as all of us as parents have taken, what do you do when, you, when your kids are there? And you don't want them to go somewhere. It's, what do you do? <coughs> hand goes out. Across the road, hold a hand. And that thought of the father and the son, or father and us, and, and as we also, when we need that help, we just hold out our hand, reach out our hand. He's told us that his strong right arm will comfort us and lead us. We just need to remember to let God do the leading, possibly, more than us doing the, the driving. I guess that as I was going through this, and I came to this section in Psalm 139, and it's one of the, the bits that I just love, where it says from verse 13, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb, and I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And then to think that God planned out everything about me. He knew I was going to be the tallest of my, of my brothers and sisters. <laughs> but that's irrelevant. You know, he knew that, he knew all those things. He knew everything that was going to happen throughout my life. He knew that, um, he knew that we'd be sitting here today, each one of us. He knew exactly what I was going to be looking like by the time I was 53 and a bit. And while I still don't feel that old, um, in a lot of ways I, I, I do, I suppose. But he knows us so well that he, he knows exactly what stage we're going through. And, the, and the, the issues that we have as we get older, they're no surprise to God. And uh, he knows us so well. And to contrast that with our, the culture that we live in, which places an incredible amount of importance on, on our appearance, on how we look, God places no emphasis on that. Because he looks at the heart, doesn't he? Because you can't, it doesn't matter, um, he says it doesn't matter what you look like, because you can't judge a person by their appearance. And God created us exactly the way we are was part of his perfect plan for each one of us. He wanted us to look just like we look. He wanted us to uh, have the skills each one of us has. He wanted us each one to have the abilities and the talents that each one of us has and the gift that we get through being a child of God as well. It was his perfect design for us because we were all fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, somebody I know of who gets really excited about being made in this way is a guy, Louis Giglio. Who's heard of him? Yeah. There was a series we did, oh, goodness, um, in Bible study, probably getting on uh, 10 years ago now, possibly even, and um, stumbled across this in the research this week. We've got a little video here, another one to watch. Louis Giglio, watch this.
miracle. You're a miracle sitting in the building tonight. If I could just remind you just for a moment, you are somebody incredibly special. Let me just dial back to the beginning, and I, I know you know this already, but in the very, very beginning, here's how you happened, okay? One cell from your mom found one cell from your dad. Now, there's more involved in that than that, but that's enough for us right now. And by the way, we should applaud the one cell from your dad because that one cell did a pretty heroic thing to be the one cell in the story that we're talking about tonight. One cell from your mom met up with one cell from your dad, each one carrying 23 chromosomes. The one from your mom was carrying half of her DNA. The one from your dad was carrying half of his DNA. And those two cells met and merged into one single cell. And when they did, those chromosomes matched and they began to form together a brand new DNA code using four characters, four nucleotides, they begin to write out what we have now discovered is the three billion character description of who you are written in the language of God. They wrote out your DNA, your human genome of three billion characters made up of those four simple nucleotides. And when they did, they described who God had ordained you to be. In that one little simple cell, scientists say if you took the DNA out of that one little cell and stretched it out, that DNA would be six feet long, three billion characters stretched out to six feet long. So amazing that if I were to read your DNA, reading one character per second, night and day, it would take me 96 years just to read the description of you. And when they formed together, they wrote out and painted a picture which had never been written before in the history of humankind. And then that cell did the unthinkable. It set out to build that model from one cell. I'm telling you, you are a miracle sitting in this building tonight. And you have come a long, long way. I mean, here you are, this may not be in the family photo album, but here you are at three days old, 16 cells of you. You say, what in the world is that? It's a 16 cell human embryo on the tip of a safety pin at incredible magnification. So by now that one cell it turned into 16 cells on its way to making the 75 trillion cells that make up your body tonight. Every one of those 75 trillion cells containing that six feet of the three billion character DNA code that you. There's so much DNA in your body, by the way. If you stretched it all end to end, there'd be enough DNA to go to the moon and back inside your body. 178,000 times. That's how amazing God has made you to be. 75 trillion cells in your body. And when I told you that, 50,000 of those cells died and were replaced by brand new cells when I told you that. And then just now, 50,000 more cells died and were replaced by brand new cells. It's happening every three seconds, day and night, all the days of your existence. And you wonder why you're tired all the time. I'll tell you, you're doing some amazing stuff night and day. 
We're miracles, you and me. I love the way Augustine said it. One of the great fathers of the church and of the faith. He just nailed it when he said it like this. Men go abroad to wonder at the height of mountains, the huge waves of the sea, the long course of rivers, the vast compass of the ocean, the circular motion of the stars, but they pass by themselves and they don't even notice. In the womb, miracles happening every moment. Here you are at five months in the womb. You remember those days, those were the good old days. And just miracles happening every second. Let me tell you about one. Million optic nerve endings left the optic nerve center of your brain in the womb, headed for a million optic nerves that had left your eye. And they had to meet and match their exact partner. One million looking for one million. And when they found their exact partner out of a million and matched up together. In that instant, you had sight. And anyone would tell you that to this moment, the most technologically advanced thing on planet Earth is your eye. Oh, but it didn't do you any good because when that moment happened, you just had one piece of skin completely covering your eyeball. But as I read in one textbook, miraculously and mysteriously at about the sixth month, a little cutting device appeared and it cut perfectly that piece of skin. And you had eyelids for the very first time in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And the God of the heavens is the one who fashioned you together. There you go. You feel a bit better about yourself now? Very enthusiastic man, isn't he? Um, And uh, it's been a while since I've heard that. And it's part of a a DVD series that he did, and and we uh, went through it. And it's about marveling about all of creation, all heaven declares the glory. So when we say, um, we think we're no good. So when we say, God, I'm worthless, I'm no good, I can't do anything, I'm uncoordinated. What we're really saying is, God, you blew it with me. God says, no, I didn't. God says, I created you just the way I wanted you. But you haven't just figured out yet how much I love you and what my purpose is for you. Uh, When we understand those things, we don't put ourselves down. We understand that we might not be the person we want to be up here or maybe one, one we think we want to be, but we're the person that God wants us to be. And that's the message for today, is that we understand that. And whatever stage in our lives we're at, that that is where we are to be, perfectly in accordance with God's will. When we start to understand these things, we stop putting ourselves down. 
And when we understand that, when we accept that, we allow then that God is able to lead us. Those moments when we're talking to God, when he was revealing himself to us, he'll never run out of ways to reveal himself to us. I know we have a few, or I have a few favorite ways when I'm wanting to think about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thinking about how awesome God is, the gift of eternal life that I can have through the work of his son, the Lord Jesus, who came to die as we celebrate next week his birth. And if we think, how precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God, how vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I'm awake, when I awake, I'm still with you. It's those um, times when we think, wow, how magnificent. He never run out, runs out of ways to show himself to us. How many thoughts we can have, more than grains of sand, and then there's a promise that when we wake, he's still there. Now, some revision time from last week. Who recognizes this one? You're the only two people here last week. John's brought us this one in revealing about um, uh, in Psalm 39, wasn't it? Well, yes. Um, that God has proclaimed in natural creation to anyone who will listen. Who was listening last week? The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. And look at these numbers that John shared with us last week. They're mind-blowing, aren't they? I can't even begin to imagine what, how far it is to the next star. Like the moon, yeah, I see that. It comes up, goes down. Here's the point. In about two or three days' time, there's going to be a subtle change on the earth. And it stops going from summer. And then it just comes back this way. Gradually, over the next six months. Is that not amazing? Perfectly, every year, just like that. So last week, we just talked about the speed of light. Now, if you left Earth last week, after you left here, after the, after the church, um, how far do you reckon you would have got in that one week? Can you take us? How about 181,314,478,600 kilometres? Or near enough to circumnavigate the Earth four and a half million times. Talk about going around in circles. Um, so it's pretty fast, isn't it? It's something which we can't really... We can, we can maybe look at a, a, drags, a dragster, a drag car. You can do 400 metres in a bit over four seconds. We think that's pretty fast, pretty impressive. Um, haven't been on a rocket ship, but I, I'm told that that goes pretty fast as well. Um, but if we're comfortable with the speed of light and how awesome that is and how we can't get our minds around that, how would you reckon we'd go dealing with grains of sand? Now, you can go down the beach and you can pick up a grain of sand. You can't really... You can switch a light on and off, but you can't pick up a light atom, photon, whatever they are. But you could go down the beach and you could pick up sand and you could do this, couldn't you? And you'll get some stuck on your hand and I'd, I'd challenge you to go and pick out 20. So Earth's circumference is about 
40,000 kilometres roughly. And on that 40,000 kilometres, the circumference says about 560,000 kilometres of coastline, approximately. From this, some well-deserving people have calculated that the volume of sand on the beach is about 700 billion cubic metres, containing roughly, wait for it, 5,000 billion billion grains of sand. That's five sextillion, which is number five with 21 zeros after it. Looks something like that. And that is just the sand roughly, very roughly calculated that's on the beaches. What about the deserts? What about the rivers? What about the estuaries? So we started off with something which we could actually pick up in your hand, couldn't you? And you could possibly count out one, two, three, up to 20 grains of sand possibly. Or even maybe you could take a teaspoon and you could sit there for a few hours and count out how many grains of sand in a teaspoon. The number becomes so huge that we just, again, can't comprehend it, can we? We don't probably need to either, really, to be honest. But next time at the beach, think about those things. But to me, the amazing thing is God knows how many grains of sand there are. Because nothing is a surprise to him. All of creation is laid bare before him. I mean, you think of that, and yet he still cares to have a relationship with me. That is amazing. Where I could count the numbers of ways that he reveals himself to us. Maybe just take time to have a look and, and to think about who he is. We sang as I came up, search me, O God. And as this psalm concludes, it says, know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. He knows us so well. He knows exactly what's causing us anxious moments. During the day, when you wake at two or three o'clock in the morning sometimes, he knows all those things, people. And he wants to, to be, remind us, wants to remind us that he's there for us. We're not alone in these things. See if there's an offensive way in me, because that is something which will stop us having a relationship with the Lord Jesus, isn't it? Through the, um, sorry, will stop us having a relationship with the righteous God is if there's sin in my life. If I haven't confessed it, that will break it. But then the, the promise is he'll lead me in the way everlasting. You see, Every time I do the right thing, God is watching. Every time instead of sinning, I choose not to sin. Every time I resist the temptation, every time I stand up for, uh, for the right thing, no matter how small or insignificant we might think it is, God knows it and he sees my faithfulness to him. He knows exactly what I'm like, what I'm really like, what I really think like, what my motives really are. And really what matters is the integrity in our lives. The lie our lives when no one else is looking. What are we doing? What are we thinking? What are our actions? What are our motives? Um, because there's one person that will never fool, and that's God. There's that old saying that um, you'll be able to fool some of the people all of the time and all of the people some of the time, but you'll never fool our creator, God. So Christmas... This Christmas week, 
the God who knows how many grains of sand there are, how many hairs on our head, the one who knows the stars by their names, wants to know me, wants to know you. He has a plan for us that is mapped out before we were even being, before we were born and will continue for those who have the Lord Jesus as Saviour for eternity. So as we go into this Christmas week, would it be one that we get ourselves right with God? And as we have an opportunity, as um, Sean was sharing before as well, we have opportunities this week to witness just a word here or there. It might be something small, but it might be the catalyst that we just try to show some of God's love, this plan that he has, the enthusiasm that people have when they describe it, as we look at how wonderfully we are made, how fearfully and wonderfully made we are, how we are created exactly as God wanted us to be. And it all starts by yielding to him today. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do just amazed, are amazed that you would care to have a relationship with us. Father, that you would create us in this way, that you would put us in this place at this particular time, in these particular bodies, with these particular skills to bring glory to your name. Father, those of us who are yours, would you just use us this week to bring glory? Would you use us this week to point someone who is not yet walking with you to the wonderful relationship they can have with a righteous, almighty God who wants to, to know them? Father, those who may be here who are just searching Continue to hem them in behind and in front of so they have no choice but to yield and enjoy the great satisfaction and the, and the privilege and, the, and the, just the pure joy of knowing you, knowing our sins can be forgiven, knowing that if we were to die today, we would be with you in eternity. Until then, Father, use us, please, to build your kingdom and bring glory to your name.